When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. We have a very special guest with us today. We're going to be talking about the West Virginia Mountaineers. And if you haven't been paying attention, guys, we're not a West Virginia Mountaineer podcast. So we went and found some folks who might know the best. We're talking to Jordan Pinto of West by Pod. They're affiliated with Smoking Mustard. Uh, Smoking Musket, which is the SBN site on the West Virginia side. A lot of great information. I think some of their previews are already out if you want to go read or listen to those. Um, we're going to be talking about everything West Virginia football. We're going to start talking about how the season's been going so far through the offense, through the defense, key matchups and players we should know, talk a bit about Neil Brown's job, and then get a final prediction on the outcome of the game. But first, Jordan, thank you so much for being here with us. For sure, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. So I'm joined by Reed on our end, and if you guys have been following our podcast for a while, you know how these these interviews flow. We'll be back and forth asking questions and just largely letting Jordan talk about his team, you know, giving him a chance to to really fill us in on on the Mountaineers and what we should expect with a Big 12 opener date in Morgantown. So I'll open up our question. You know, let's talk about the Penn State game. Uh, that's it. West Virginia came in, picked to finish last in the Big 12. Uh, there were not many expectations of success. Uh, Neil Brown was very much on the hot seat. You opened the season with, you didn't necessarily get destroyed in this game, but Penn State late kind of put the hurt on and got the separation needed to make this a blowout. Uh, what what was the thinking at that time about where the program is? Was this kind of what was expected? Was it disappointing to see them not show up for that game? Obviously, Penn State, very good program, but what, what was the thought process at after that? Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, we came into that one, I think we were 20 and a half point uh, underdogs. Um, I was actually, I went up to the game, so it was really cool experience, really fun day tailgate and everything. And uh, if you ever get a chance, go to Beaver Stadium. It was, did not, did not, uh, did not disappoint. But um, yeah, no, I think that the disappointing thing is just that, you know, as a big underdog, right? Like there's a series of things that kind of have to go your way to keep it close. Um, Penn State's really good. And you know, all those things kind of happen and we, and we didn't pay it off. Right. So I think that was kind of the disappointing thing. It wasn't so much that, that they ended up, I mean, they, they scored with like six seconds left to cover. Um, but I think it was just that, you know, everything was there for us to make it a much closer game than we ended up making it. And, and, and just, you know, kind of in the third quarter, um, kind of two critical, we, we had one real bad, we forced them three and out first drive out of second half and then got a bad penalty on our first play, like explosive run play and just kind of took all the momentum out of us. Um, and then they just hit a couple of big pass plays in the second half. We couldn't, couldn't keep up, but you know, I don't think it was, I think the prevailing sentiment was, you know, we started with Penn state and then we had Duquesne the week after. Um, 
you know, kind of probably the two most sure thing kind of games on our schedule, just in terms of you're going to lose to Penn State, you're going to beat Duquesne. So we're kind of looking at that as the preseason, right? Season starts with Pitt and then with uh, with you guys and TCU uh, next week. So um, I don't think anybody was too beat up, just a little disappointed we didn't make it a tighter game. That brings me a nice lead into my next question, which is about the pick game. The backyard brawl is one of the most intense rivalries in college football, one that is a little bit under the radar unless you're from the area. But it is one, if you haven't paid attention, they, the, the hate there is as high as in any in college football. Neither team coming in particularly with good expectations or particularly good results. It felt very much like a chance for coach Brown to start putting a little bit of ice on his seat and try to survive this year. Uh, Got the win in a tight game with a backup quarterback. Pitt's quarterback was helpless for his own part, but uh, West Virginia's starter went down in this game and had to go to backup uh, quarterback. Um, I, I'm going to botch his last name. I think it's Markiel. Is it Marchiel or Markiel? Markiel. Yeah, you got it. Markiel. Okay, so backup quarterback Markiel enters the game, get the win, win the big rivalry, huge moment for just – the regional hate that exists that is very, very intense and real. How does that getting that win that I think most West Virginia fans would mark as a must win game, just anytime that game's played, how does that change expectations and how does that help make Neil Brown's case to continue on at the program? So I think it's, um, we kind of talk about it on our pod. Like if you think of it like a presidential approval rating, right? Um, Neil Brown's has been kind of in the red for, uh, most of last year and then coming into this year. And, you know, that's one of the things like Pitt's, Pitt's a must win. You said it like we, we had to win that game to his credit. We did. Um, but I think that, I, I think that we've been looking at this three game stretch, like I said, so, so Pitt and then, and then you guys and TCU, it's going to kind of set the tone for the whole season, right? If we, if we win two of these, you know, or got, you know, somehow three, um, it's going to, it's going to considerably cool his seat. Right. But if we, if we beat Pitt and then lose to both you and TCU, I think we're just going to be right back where we were before the pit game, you know, where, where his seat's going to be hot. I mean, I don't know how, how close of attention you guys have paid, but a, a significant portion of the fan base wanted him fired after last year and his buyout, he has a fully guaranteed buyout with like five years left on his contract. Um, but we, we just couldn't really afford to fire him. Um, and so, you know, he, he's, I don't want to say he was a lame duck because I think our team's better than that and, um, probably deserves a little bit more credit, but you know, I mean, the pit game had to have it. The fan base had to have it. Um, I don't know if you watched the game, but we, I mean, we were, we were into the game. We needed to win it and we did, but I don't think it's going to mean a whole lot if we end up losing the next two games. Yeah. I'd kind of like to, uh, piggyback a little bit off of, um, uh, Mike a little bit. Um, I'll go first with Neil Brown and then I'll kind of move into the defense a little bit because I'm kind of um, intrigued what you guys bring on that side of the ball. Um, kind of first with Neil Brown. Uh, obviously, he was uh, I don't know if he was like a vanilla hire, kind of how West Virginia viewed him. Um, I kind of I kind of figured that's that's kind of the census when he was uh, when he's brought on there at West Virginia. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I feel like obviously that pit game was was a must win. Uh, yeah. I think you, you said that, and most people would probably agree. Um, do you feel like the the Tech game this weekend is potentially the same way? Obviously, Neil Brown's never beaten Tech in his tenure so far, um, which you know kind of really is surprising to me with you know tenure we had with Matt Wells. I would have um, thought with one of, you know one of those games, you guys definitely would have been um, a little bit more favored than, than we would have been in, in the matchup. But um, yeah, I just want to see what you thought. What else on that? 
Yeah, no, I think um, so. When Neil Brown was hired, he was he was kind of hired to be the anti Dana Holgerson, right? Like Holgerson's kind of just a wild man. He was out there. Neil Brown, much more buttoned up, um, much more happy to glad hand the donors and kind of you know play the role in the community. Dana was just there to coach football and and you know kind of have enjoy the Morgantown scene a little bit. Um, so I think it was kind of viewed as a slam dunk. You know, he was coming off three straight ten win seasons uh, at, at Troy. Um, and yeah, just if for whatever reason it hasn't translated, I mean, you know, I think, I don't know if you guys would agree with this or not. L- last year, you guys obviously were, were by far the better team. Um, I think that was our worst performance of the season last year down in Lubbock. But I think the the three games before that, I felt like we were the better team and, and just lost all of them anyways. So, you know, it, beating Tech, I, I don't know if it's a must win because if we go beat TCU on the road, um, you know, I think everybody's kind of saying we need to get through Pitt, Tech, and TCU with two wins. Um, if the season is going to be anything positive and if, if he's going to keep his job, but it would be a nice feather to have in the cap for sure. Right. Just, just cause of the four game losing streak. Um, and yeah, I mean, home game, like you hate to, you hate to come off a big home win against Pitt and then come out and lay an egg, which we have done to you guys, uh, at home in the past. I think two, what, two years ago, you guys jumped up like 20, nothing on us. Um, so I don't know if it's, I, I wouldn't call it like a must, must win, but it would definitely be a very nice feather in the cap for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, moving on to the side of the defense, uh, you know, I, th- I think defense is, um, has been Neil Brown's bed- bread and butter, I guess, if he had to choose one side of the ball since he's been there. For sure. Um, seems like that's been a lot more consistent and, you know, produce more steady results. Um, I, I'll be completely honest, I probably watch any West Virginia so far through the first three weeks, so – um, I really can't touch on a ton of stuff visually from them, but obviously they put up a good, pretty good performance against Pitt. Um, I think they had like, was it three interceptions? And yep. um, yeah, just, you know, didn't let Pitt move the ball very well, generally speaking. So um, I know just from, from previous experience with them, West Virginia's D-line always had some dudes on there um, who could uh, can put up some numbers and kind of wreak havoc in the backfield. Uh, where do you, where do you think like this defense specifically um you know, kind of is what, what motors the boat for, for this specific 11 guys, you think, in terms of um, which level of defense? Yeah, definitely, definitely the front seven. Um, yeah, the three interceptions against Pitt. I don't know if you didn't watch the game, man, the Phil Jerkovic, the guy that Pitt has to be, if he's not the worst quarterback in power five, I don't, I don't know who is. So, I mean, our dudes, you, <laughs> you know, want to take Teddy those three, those three picks there. Nah, nah. Say, Hey, I mean, you got to be in the right spots, right? You got to be in the right spots to catch the ball. But I mean, he, he made some questionable decisions. Um, but yeah, no, I mean to that end, it's it's the the front seven's the strength for sure. Um, the secondary is a little bit of a you know we I think we have like two guys back from last year, but it's a little bit of a you know a, a patchwork with some transfers and um, some new starters, so a little bit shakier back there. But the front seven is good. Um, you I think we usually we usually go an even front and then we kind of run, um, you know, like a four two five kind of deal with a with a hybrid safety. It's pretty I mean pretty standard defense in the Big Twelve these days, but. Um, we'll go like eight or nine deep up front. All those guys have been really good so far this year. They were all, I mean, you know, even against Penn State, Penn State put up put up some points. But, you know, we were getting after their quarterback the whole day. I think we shot, we, we held the, the those two running backs like 140 yards or something. So um, really good there. Uh, and then the, the big surprise has been um, the linebackers. Uh, so Lee Kogba was, was a guy we had last year who um, – hit or miss. I'm not sure that we always used him the right way. This dude, he, he's one of these, he's a physical specimen, a little bit tight. And so, you know, like he, he'd look a little bit awkward in coverage, which we were doing a lot with him last year. This year, we're kind of letting him play downhill more. 
and it's helping out a lot. And then we have a, a redshirt freshman named Trey Lathan, who uh, is stepping in at the weak side linebacker, who has been um, probably the biggest surprise on the team uh, through three games. Um, people weren't really sure what to what to think about that spot. That um, we weren't even sure, honestly, who was going to start there with about a week before the season. And he's come out and has played excellently. He's been really good in coverage. I think he leads the team in pressures. I think he has like 10 pressures and uh, I don't think he has a sack yet, but he's always in the backfield causing trouble. Um, really good tackler, really good in coverage. So uh, front front seven powers the boat. We've been really good, um, you know, kind of on uh, early downs, putting people in third and long. And, and that really like, you know, that lets us pin the ears back a little bit in the pass rush and try and get after quarterbacks to help the secondary out because those dudes can't, they can't cover back there. You know, they need all the help they can get from from the pass rush. That's kind of where I wanted to go next, which is talking about the secondary, talking about the weakness of this defense. What's been the issue in pass coverage that's hurt them so much? What in particular has made them so vulnerable? Is it just the lack of true cover corners? Is it the lack of depth? Is it just a schematic problem? What's been hurting them on the back? Uh, Yes. Yes. All of those things. Um, So so we, uh, yeah, it's honestly, I I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to put your finger on. because we, you know, last year we had a really bad pass defense. And so the whole thing, the offseason was we're, we're going to simplify it. Um, you know, we, we run, we're a pretty basic uh, cover, cover three team on the back end most of the time. Um, and just guys, uh, you know, kind of losing, it seems just like low situational awareness, you know, kind of thing. Like uh, the, the, the second to last touchdown against Penn State, um, you know, they're on like the 18 yard line. We have a guy playing like 14 yards off the ball. Right. And so they just run like a two step and turnaround route and just one on one beat the guy to the end zone. Um, but a lot of stuff like that, I, man, it, I was pulling my hair out against you guys last year because, you know, you guys get this the, the quick tempo passing going. Um, and we have guys 15 yards off the ball and it's just like, what the hell are you even you know doing back there? Um, so, you know, it, it seems like a lot of like very basic mental type of errors. Um, to our credit last week, we, we tightened it up against, I mean, you know, like I said, Pitt's quarterback sucks, I guess guys awful, but, um, got a little closer to the line of scrimmage, um, shortened the rotation a little bit. You know, I think we'd been trying to work some guys through the rotation, get people some snaps and, and just like, just wasn't, wasn't it. Um, and so I think we literally, we had two cornerbacks played every single snap last week and it looked a lot better, right? I don't know. I think this week's obviously going to be a much bigger test against you guys. So curious to see if we... I mean, hopefully, hopefully we stay a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Hopefully we stay with the two guys we had last week. Um, and if it looks better this week, then I'll be a little bit more confident. But it's it's kind of, you know, been waiting for it to turn a corner for like two years now, and it hasn't. So I'll believe it when I see it. Now, we're going to rotate to the offensive side of the ball and get into it. There's a lot of interest in the offensive side of the ball this week in particular. There's banged up C.J. Donaldson, Garrett Green banged up. First and yep. foremost, first, first question <laughs> – are we expecting not to see either of those two guys? I haven't seen an update on Donaldson. I believe Green. Yeah, I, I thought I saw somewhere that he is going to be out. What, what, what's what's it looking like in the backfield for West Virginia? Yeah, so CJ's definitely going to play. I think he. Uh, I think it ended up that he just had a cramp or something. He was trying to come back in at the end of the pick game and just you know because we kind of had things under control, just didn't want to didn't want to push it there. Um, so I would definitely I definitely expect a, hel- uh, a heavy dose of CJ this weekend. Um, yeah, Garrett. So, you know, Neil's been playing a little bit coy this week, uh, you know, just obviously trying to make you guys prepare for both of them because they're, they're, they're slightly different players. Um, but, but the general rule of thumb is you have to practice Wednesday to be able to play Saturday. And Green was 
a limited participant yesterday. I think the word today um, on Neil Brown's radio show is that is that Mark Hill took um, took the majority of the snaps in practice this week. So I if I had to bet, I would say that that Nico's going to start, and, and I'm sure Green will be in uniform, but I but I I don't think we'll see him. I think it's going to be Nico, and then uh, yeah, CJ CJ I think it's going to be full go. So with that in mind, let's talk about C.J. Donaldson. What's made him such an effective back? He's definitely the engine of this offense. He is the reason it is what it is. And really over the last, you know, since he's kind of come onto the scene, been the only successful part of this offense. What, yeah. what about him has allowed him to succeed at this, at this level to such a large degree on an offense that is otherwise fairly anemic? Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, so he's a, he's a big physical dude, which when you have the offensive line that we have, when you're trying to play the way that we are trying to play, um, you know, it kind of lends itself to that identity a little bit. Um, but you know, I think it's kind of funny. Like he, he played tight end and wide receiver in high school. Um, didn't switch to running back until about two weeks before the pick game, uh, last year. And it's just, he's, uh, you know, one of those, one of those dudes who moves smaller than his body is kind of thing um, where, you know, I think he's like six, one, two, 40, six, two, two, 40 kind of thing, but just has, has loose hips, has, has quick feet. Um, not a, not a breakaway, not, you know, not a home run threat kind of a guy, but is the kind of guy who, when he's coming through the hole, if you, if you throw an arm at him, it's not going to be enough. If you dive at his legs, he has kind of this knack of he'll move like the trail leg and just, you know, kind of, people kind of face planted his feet and he just keeps on going. Um, so I think, you know, he just has a, a unique blend of physical traits, really, you know, he's just a, just a unique athlete for how big he is. Yeah. I'll kind of pick you off that a little bit. Um, I, I kind of liked CJ a lot last year. Obviously it seemed like he kind of burst on the scene a little bit out of nowhere. I guess you said he, he changed positions. Um, pretty early on. I didn't, I wasn't even aware he changed positions when he yeah. got there. So, um, but it, I mean, he seemed like a natural runner and, um, you know, be, be completely honest. I didn't expect, uh, you know, if, if we go in and lose this weekend, I feel like he's probably going to be the main reason we lose. Um, I don't think we've really seen like a heavy dose of running back, um, so far, obviously, I mean, Wyoming and, um, and Oregon could run the ball, but I didn't, I didn't feel like they, you know, gashed just by any means um, yeah. up the middle or anything. So, I feel like he's going to be our first real kind of bell cow guy we're going to see so far up the middle um, pretty consistently. So uh, me personally, I feel like that's our that's our biggest threat, uh, you know, try to contain on the on the offensive side of the ball for you guys right now. For sure. For sure. That we're we're going to we're going to make you prove that you can for sure, um, especially, you know, Nico getting his first career start. I want to say we, um, you know, kind of a weird game last weekend. We were like 80 percent pass last weekend. Um, yeah. I think we were like 60% against Penn state. I would guess that we're somewhere between those two this weekend, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, CJ, CJ up the middle. I think he's, he's definitely got, he's got good vision, but when he starts going side to side too much, it's not as effective. Um, you know, when we kind of get him, like you said, between the tackles where he can just get North and South, uh, get into the secondary quick. Um, that's when he's at his best. And yeah, no, I mean, we'll give, we'll, we'll probably give him 15 to 20 carries. Uh, we have a guy, Jalen Anderson, who is, uh, who's a really solid back who will probably try and get 15 carries. Um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, I, I know you guys, we have, we haven't gotten into this yet. The running back room is our deepest position group by far. I think we Mountaineer fans probably have four of a, four of them that we would feel comfortable getting 10 carries a game. Um, 
So we're gonna we're gonna I mean CJ's definitely gonna be the guy, but we're gonna we're gonna ro- rotate him in and give him the ball until you guys uh, prove that you can stop it. So yeah, it's definitely gonna be the kind of game it is. So let's talk about the passing attack for a minute. You talk about the two quarterbacks that could potentially play in this game, and I guess with that being in mind, what what if what should Texas Tech fans know about each of these two quarterbacks stylistically? So that depending on who actually suits up, and yes, it, it likely Neil Brown playing a little gamesmanship. So who knows what the actual status is? But it, what 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 about these two quarterbacks sets them apart? What are they best at? Sure. Yeah. No. Garrett Green. Um. So his best trait definitely is athleticism. Um. You know, he's kind of a smaller guy. He's like five eleven, two hundred. Uh. But pretty pretty elite athlete at the quarterback position. I think. Um. You know, if you look at if you look at some of the stuff on PFF. Um, you know, he's, he was in the top 10 last year, uh, just yards per carry, explosive carries, uh, rushing grade, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so elite runner at the position, um, last year, he was a little bit of a wild card as a passer. Um, you know, kind of, kind of reckless with the ball. He's cleaned, honestly cleaned a lot of that up this year. It's kind of disappointing that he got hurt so early because, um, a lot of us felt like he was kind of trending in the right direction. Um, but strong arm, just, you know, inconsistent with his accuracy and then questionable decisions at times. Um, but, you know, a quarterback that we could definitely win with playing the style that we're trying to play. Um, then Nico. Uh, so Nico, I guess the notable thing about him is he's left handed uh, versus Green, who's a righty. Um, Nico, also also a, du- a dual threat guy, not quite the runner that Green is, um, but pretty comparable as a passer, I'd say. Um, we haven't seen him push the ball downfield very much just because his action has been Oklahoma state last year in a, in a monsoon. Um, and I think, you know, he, he only threw it six or seven times. And then obviously last week, I think he passed nine times. He missed his first three, but went six for six in the second half. Um, and so I, you know, in terms of passing attack, like what I expect a lot of what you guys would see this week from Nico, it's going to be a lot of RPO type stuff. Um, a lot of play action, uh, try and get him on the move. Um, we have a, our receivers are a little suspect, you know, we don't, we don't have a number one receiver, which, which kind of fucks the passing game up a little bit. You know, we have a lot of guys who I think would be capable number two and number three guys, but nobody to kind of be that lead target. So really our, I mean, our leading target guy right now is our tight end, um, Cole Taylor, LSU transfer who big, uh, big athletic guy, um, and kind of meshes nicely with what we're trying to do in the passing game. You know, he'll, he'll go over the middle. We'll do some play action rollout stuff and kind of bring him under the formation into the, into the flats. So um, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be Oregon, right? Like I saw, you know, Oregon, Oregon went down the field on you guys uh, attack vertically a lot. Um, definitely not going to look like that, but it's going to be much more, you know, RPO, uh, put it in the running back's gut and, and maybe throw like a little quick slant kind of thing or, um, you know, some play action flood type of stuff. Um, and that's all we've seen from it at this point. You know, I, I have to, I hope, I hope that we take the shackles off, right? Like if, cause if we don't, you guys are just going to put nine in the box and it's going to, it's going to suck. Um, and that's just going to be a thing going forward. So, you know, at some point we have to let Nico at least try and throw downfield. Uh, but we haven't seen him do much of that yet. So honestly, <laughs> your guess is, uh, is, is as good as mine there. Um, hopefully you can do it, but, but yeah, I don't know. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, Jordan, you kind of touched on a little bit of what I was going to move into, um, which was your receiving core. Um, you know, I personally, I, I couldn't even like really touch on many guys that you guys have on the receiving 
yeah. um, mm. side of things. No, no disrespect at all. I just, you know, like there was, um, no, none taken. forgive me. I can't remember his name last year. There was, uh, um, who was, who was wide receiver one last year? I'm, that I'm trying For, to uh, Ford Wheaton. Ford Wheaton was Ford Wheaton. Dude, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yep. yeah. 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 Um, and you, you know, I always felt like we, like when, when tech played West Virginia, we always did a good job making sure he was keyed on, um, which, you know, our secondary is typically not very good at for the most part. So, um, obviously he's gone now along with uh, a few other guys, I'm sure that probably left for, um, uh, through graduation. Um, I know you just touched on your tight end that just came in through the transfer portal. Um, you, you think he's probably your, your go-to guy in the passing game right now, or is there some other people potentially to look out for? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'd say he's, he's probably the, the main guy to watch out for. Um, you know, and then, I mean, on the outside, so we brought in Devin Carter, uh, transfer portal guy from NC state. So, you know, he's kind of the de facto number one. He he's the one who kind of looks looks the part. Um, I think he had, he had six catches against Penn State. Um, played pretty well, and then he got hurt against or hurt the week of the Duquesne game and didn't play. And then I think he had uh, you know I think he had, he had a big catch on third down last week, but we just didn't throw the ball enough for him to really do anything. But you know he seems okay. He seems fine. Um, but it's really it's you know opposite him where we're kind of looking for targets, you know, I, I Cortez Braham is a junior college guy. He's in his second year a, a, in Morgantown and really the, it doesn't seem like the lights come on for him very much. I think we had, you know, a lot of people had high hopes for him uh, this year that he was going to turn the corner. And so far I think he has more drops than receptions so far this year. Uh, so that's, that's, that's not good. Um, and then we had, we had a walk on who put up three touchdowns against, uh, Duquesne, Hudson Clement, who's been getting a lot more playing time over the last couple of weeks. We got put on scholarship after that game. So, um, you know, it, we'll see how much of a part of the offense he, he is uh, going forward, but seems okay. He's fast. He's definitely fast. Um, but, you know, haven't seen a whole lot of him otherwise. Um, and then the other two guys really, uh, you know, a couple of true freshmen, uh, Rodney Gallagher, um, who's a local kid from Uniontown, PA. It's about a half hour from Morgantown. Um, was a high four star dude coming in, you know, uh, the highest rated dude in our in our class last year, who is um, kind of a little slot guy. Uh, so we, you know, we kind of try and get him some touches in some weird ways, you know, jet sweep type stuff, um, screen pass type stuff. So, um, you know, if you see him, he's number two. We'll we'll try and get him a couple touches touches game. Uh, and then Traylon Ray, kind of more of a true outside receiver. I think he's like six three, two hundred pound um, dude who. Played against Penn State, had a couple of catches, but then got hurt against Duquesne, and we haven't we haven't seen him the last two weeks. So I don't know if he's even going to be able to play this weekend. Um, didn't think that whatever injury he had was going to be anything long term, so I'm not sure uh, about that. But um, if he's on the field, he's a guy we'll look to give the ball. He, you know, he's one of the uh, like the stories coming out of camp around him is like uh, you know George Pickens kind of stuff, where it's like, dude, this guy's making one hand catches on people, and uh, you know, just making plays every day, and and the highlight reels are going out on Twitter and everything. So people were super excited about him. And then we just, of course we haven't seen him through three weeks very much. So um, it's, it's a, it's a shaky group. It's a shaky group. Um, you know, I think between the quarterback and the receivers, like that kind of tells the story of our past game, right? This guy, you know, it's a, it's there, it's there to make people think about it so that they can't just play eight, eight or nine in the box every time. But so far it hasn't been super reliable. Now, we're going to move 
to kind of closing expectations and predictions here in a sec. But the last question on the offensive side of the ball is the offensive line um, against Penn State. Obviously a very good football team. Surrendered three sacks. I believe there were two against Pitt. Um, overall, how has the protection been, you know, with an, with an offense that leans so much on a running back, you'd expect them to be pretty good and uh, getting a push on, on the ground. But how are they setting back in their pass sets? I think I think generally pretty good. Um, you know, I think the, the sacks against Pitt, I, you know, I was at the game. I would have put them more on Nico almost really than the offensive line. You know, it was just kind of thing where I think they were both within the first two or three drives that he was in the game. So, you know, deer in the headlights kind of stuff where he's he's looking, 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 looking. There's people open and he just never got rid of the ball, um, you know, kind of thing, which it seemed like he grew out of as the game went on. So hopefully that's not an issue going forward. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I mean, Penn State, Penn State's front seven is probably one of the five or 10 best in the country. So, um, you know, I don't think that we were too beat up about about giving up some pressures there. Um, that's one of the pos- positives of having a guy like Green. I mean, Green Green scrambled out of about 10 situations where, you know, quarterback JT Daniels last year, right, would have would have got sacked probably 10 times against Penn State. Um but yeah, no, I think I think generally they've they've been fine in pass protection. Um, and actually, I think they've you know are, like we haven't been hugely productive uh, in the ground or on the ground. Um, you know, just in in terms of like we're not in like the top ten in the country, right? In in yards per game or yards per carry or anything. But I think that when you consider that everybody knows that we're going to run, um, everybody sets up to stop the run, and we still run it for a buck sixty, a buck seventy, buck eighty on on everybody. Um, is impressive in its own right. Right. I mean, you know, running, running for four and a half yards per carry and 170 yards on a, on a nine man box, uh, is, is, is nothing to like turn your nose at. So, um, they've been good. You know, I think coming into the year, everybody thought they were going to be the strength of the team. I, I haven't seen anything that would make me change that opinion. Uh, they've, they've been as good as advertised. I think, you know, if, I guess I don't know if you want to wait and we can get into the predictions, but if, if this weekend goes well, it's because those guys kind of control the game for us. So I've got one more for you before we touch on predictions, we will ask you to call your shot, but I want to start with the coach Brown situation of it all. <coughs> what, what does he have to do this year to, to stay in Morgantown? Obviously the results have not been good. Um, to, to say yeah. the least, he's sold the climb and the process over and over and over <laughs> again. But, you know, this feels like, I think, for everybody looking from the outside, looking in, like a year he has to get it done. What's the minimum expectation for him to return? Yeah, I don't I don't think that just making a bowl uh, should be enough. Um, definitely not in a usual year. I, I don't know if, I, if you guys heard me uh, when I was breaking up earlier, but he has a fully guaranteed buyout, right? So that kind of sucks for us if we if we do fire him. Um but I think, I mean, seven wins, and I don't know if you guys looked at our, at our two deep. We only have, I think we only have six guys on the two deep who definitely aren't going to be here next year, like, you know, through graduation or whatever. Um, so super young team. So it's the kind of thing where it's like, dude, if we get to seven wins and it feels like we're growing into an identity a little bit and... Right, like there's some stuff to to hang our hat on, kind of like what you guys have going on this year, right? Like you guys closed the season strong last year. You bring back what, like, eighteen contributors on offense, and I mean, you know, you bring back a ton of dudes from a team that like the vibes were high by the end of the year. Um, I think seven wins could do it. I'd you know I'd rather win eight, <laughs> um, 
And I think that, I mean, the way the big 12 looks right now, it doesn't, there's wins out there. Right. Um, and so I, I it's, it's kind of helped his cause because it, you know, there are wins out there, but it's also hurt his cause because like, if you don't go and win the games now, it looks even worse. Like when you have Oklahoma state losing to South Alabama and Iowa state losing to Ohio and all this, all this other bullshit going on in the conference, right? Like there's wins out there. You got to go win the games. Um, so I don't know. I mean, bare minimum for me, seven, you got to get the seven. Um, and if, you know, if some other circumstances are right, that should be enough. But I think a lot of people think that, uh, it should be, uh, you know, eight, eight, eight or he's gone. Now we're finally in the prediction. This is the part of the show where basically you're just going to give your take and we're not, we're not fishing for, for any particular answer. We expect a large amount of homerism in this answer. So this is okay. just, we give us, who do you think wins this game? What's the final score? How do you think this one plays out as big 12 play begins for Texas tech? And, I, and both teams have this circled as a critical game in their big 12 slates. For sure. Let me, uh, let me crack my second beer here. Uh, so I think so first first quarter is going to be critical for us. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see because you guys want to you guys want to go fast as hell, right? You guys want to snap the ball every 20 seconds, go up and down the field. And if it's kind of goes where you know, you guys go right down the field and score and then we go three and out, and you go right down the field and score again. And we're down 14, nothing like six minutes into the game like we were last year. Um that's probably it, right? Like, I don't think our team is really built to come back. We're not, we're not really built to play from behind. Um, but, you know, if we get the ball and put together like a seven, seven or eight minute drive where it's like, you know, we're falling forward for three and four yards every play, um, punch one in, and then, you know, you guys go three and out or something, right? Like, it's going to be interesting to see, like, can we establish the run, right? Like, I know that you guys uh, – the defensive line's good, right? You got Bradford, you got Hutchings. Um, the second level feels like it's a little bit worse than last year. Would you guys agree with that? Like the linebackers? By a decent amount, yes. Yeah, okay. See, my perception is, yeah, that's that's kind of my perception is that your front seven has taken like a mini step back just with the linebackers. And then obviously you have dudes up front, but you don't have Tyree. Um, and so it's like the kind of thing where if we can lean on you guys and just chew up clock, let our defense rest a little bit, Make your offense sit on the sideline. Um, yeah, you know, I don't see any reason why we can't win the game. Um, you know, I'm gonna be honest. Like, right? Like, you know, it feels it's like we're just the way that we play is kind of the way that that worse teams have to play to beat to beat better teams. But um, we are good at it in our own like weird way, <laughs> weird way. Um, and we're definitely gonna be committed to it, right? So, like, if we're able to run the ball and and you know shorten possessions, shorten the game, all that kind of stuff. Um, limit big plays. Like I said, secondary has been an issue. Um, so, you know, it's going to kind of suck, suck the air out of the stadium. If we, if we put together like a six minute drive and then you guys score in two plays, that that's kind of shit that we can't have happen. Um, but I don't, I don't hate the matchup. I don't think, um, you know, I, I like I expect our front seven. I think we'll be able to control the running game, like, right? Like I like the matchup of our D line against your O line. I like the matchup of our O line against your front seven. Um, it's really just like, is our secondary gonna gonna light everything on fire, right? Because you guys have a ton of good receivers. Um, what do you think about the quarterbacks? Are you guys uh, shut guys or are you guys uh, Morton, pro Morton? I I think I I think you know it. 
look, Shuck is going to start, right? Yeah. You know, like that's that's the situation, regardless of what anybody else wants to see. Um, I would not be surprised if he does not finish the game. He has not played well to date. Yeah. And as a result of that, I think most people expect this to be a, a do or die for him. Uh, the flip side of that is you, you prep a starter all week. You're not inclined to pull him in the middle of games. You just aren't. Um, sure. that, that that's that's true of any of any program but look the, the the issue for texas tech is going to be that the guy texas tech's best ability to to win this game is to push west virginia secondary as far as they can yeah. and shuck has continuously showed he cannot throw a touch deep ball he can't consistently make reads he's not willing to take the risks he should he takes ones he shouldn't he holds the ball it, it it's a combination of not good quarterback play from a guy who is in his sixth year and is a guy who has a tremendous amount of starting experience the injuries have ruined his development that's just yeah. it's how the unfair of it all but don't be shocked to see Baron Morton, who I think at this stage, if you polled the fans, 90% would want him to take the reins. For sure. Yeah, that, okay. So that's that's kind of the vibe that you get from afar. Um, is that, yeah, Shuck, Shuck was really good, but just that he's he's kind of regressed, right, through the injuries. And obviously, I mean, we saw Morton last, Morton threw for like 350 yards on us last year. So we're, we're familiar uh, with him. Um, but yeah, no, I, all the stuff you're saying about Shuck, shit, I hope he plays cause that, uh, that, that all lends itself well to us, right? Like we're going to try and try and get after the quarterback. Um, gonna, gonna bring heat for sure. We, we blitz a, a decent amount, especially in the passing situations. So, um, Hey, here's to, uh, here's the Shuck starting and, and playing the whole game. Um, but yeah, no, if, if, if the game go like for us to win, if the game goes like we want it to, it's going to be like a three hour game. Um, and it should be in the twenties somewhere, you know, like a 26, 23 or a 24, 21 kind of deal. Um, where, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're picking up at least a couple first downs. Every time we touch the ball, we're controlling field position, not letting anything get out on the back end, uh, defensively in terms of the passing game, you know, like keeping, keeping stuff in front of us. And then, yeah, just letting the, letting the running backs and the offensive line kind of, kind of dictate the tempo. Um, you know, I think if we can get close to 200 yards on the ground and I mean, we're going to run it, like I said, we're going to run it 40 times probably at least. Um, so if we can get close to 200 yards on the ground and then, you know, when we get in the red zone, um, you know, two thirds, two thirds of the opportunities in the touchdowns or half of the opportunities in the touchdowns, I'll, I'll feel pretty good about it. Um, I'll feel pretty good about it. So, um, yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, I'm going to be looking for something like a 26 to 23, I think 27, 24, some, somewhere in that range, like low to mid twenties for the well, good guys you. to win. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Jordan, <laughs> for, for joining us. Um, it's been, it's been fantastic to have a guy on who's as familiar with West Virginia as you are. And for our sake to actually understand what we should expect. I don't know how to feel about this one. Personally, I've, I've circled it as a game. Texas tech has to win. It is a game yeah. that they should expect to win and win comfortably doesn't mean they will as we found out against Wyoming and as yeah. they I would have I don't mean to cut you off I was gonna say I'd feel way different about this game had we beaten Wyoming yeah I think that that one shed light on that one hurt 
it, well, for it, sure. it make it shakes up your confidence in a team that I think is better than the record indicates by a wide margin. But you are what your record says you are, and you have, at some point you have to be better than just on paper. So we'll oh, find think... out. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think we're in complete agreement. You know, I think casuals probably look at the one and two and 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 the Wyoming thing, and you know maybe let it impact their opinion. I, I think you guys are still besides Oklahoma, um, and who knows how good they actually are? Because Jesus Christ, I wish we could play there at a conference schedule, but. Um, but, uh, but I'm still looking at you guys as the second best team that we play right the rest of the way. Um, you know, we miss, we miss Texas and we miss Kansas state. So, but yeah, no, I, I, the, the shields are up this weekend. We'll, we'll just say that the shields are up. You guys obviously put it on us last year and have like the same team coming back. So it would be stupid to, uh, to think it's going to be easy in any fashion for us. And thank you again, Jordan, for joining us. We're all going to be watching. For those of you who don't know or have been living under a rock, Texas Tech travels on the road to Morgantown, an underrated and particularly loud place to play, especially coming off a rivalry win. The game kicks off at 2.30 Central. That'll be 3.30 for those of you who might live out east. Uh, Texas Tech is a six-point favorite in this game, as we discussed at the top of the show. But this one could be wild. These These games against West Virginia have been quite difficult to predict most years. That seems to be just kind of a nut, uh, a complete crapshoot who actually shows up in this game. So both of us will be watching uh, our perspective sides and praying for somebody to actually play well. And I would also <laughs> like to thank my co-host Reed for hopping on and helping us out with this one. Jordan, thank you again. Hopefully, hopefully tech will get this done, but if not, I know you'll be cracking more than a couple of beers to celebrate. Absolutely. You can count on me. Alrighty, folks, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be putting this out as a Thursday night, so expect more content on Friday to get you ready for the game. Give a listen, and all as always, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do on whatever major podcast platform, you could find us there. And give a go hop on over to the Smoky Musket and West by Pod, both of the sites. The podcast is great. The articles are great. The Twitter accounts are fun. Go give them some love. They put out some great content if you want a little bit more detail on what to expect and how they're feeling about this matchup as Big 12 play begins. Rackham, have a great rest of your week, and see you guys after the game on Saturday.